0: I'm Candace Long with Lessons in the Latter Days, offering biblical commentary to make sense of the times that we're living in. Today we're going to shine the light on the scheme to pollute the bloodline. This topic must be addressed because it is key to why so many died during the flood in Noah's day and you're going to see some incredible parallels to the time that we're living in now, right before the day of the Lord. After over 30 years of study into the latter days, I am convinced that this vaccine rollout is the biggest sting operation against humanity that the world has ever seen. And what has become enlightening is that what is presently unfolding was prophesied in the Old Testament over 2,500 years ago. Now, for those of you who have taken the vaccine, this is not intended to be a fatalistic message. On the contrary, I will outline for you the way of escape that God provides for those who seek. A discipline I'm learning from our Jewish forefathers is to examine the Tavniot, or pictures that God lays out for us in Scripture. I study them in the natural and then let them speak to me, and this has been God's curriculum for teaching His ways for thousands of years. The tough need we're going to look at today in Genesis is the sheer number of people who were not permitted to escape the flood. What happened to them? Many were descendants of godly patriarchs such as Enoch and Methuselah, but something took place that was so dreadful they could not be rescued. So let's look at how this scheme originated. The drama began when 200 watcher angels left their first estate, which was heaven, to come to earth. They settled on the top of Mount Hermon, which is located on the border between Lebanon and Syria. Genesis 6 tells us that the angels saw that the daughters of men were fair, and they took to wife those they chose. Now, the word fair is significant. It meant that the women were anatomically compatible and physically able to bear their children. Now, once on earth, Satan devised a scheme to create an entire race of mixed DNA people, half angelic and half human, in order to block the promised Messiah from being born since Messiah could not come through an impure bloodline. This population grew to such an extent that the more people who were infected with tainted blood, the more wicked behavior began to manifest. To such an extent that Moses wrote, all flesh had corrupted his way, God's way, upon the earth. Now, this scheme has resurfaced many times over thousands of years, but I want to fast forward to a key rollout that happened during the last 60-year period when President Eisenhower and subsequent leaders allowed aliens, whom I refer to as the Nephilim in this series, to conduct scientific experiments involving abductions of humans and cattle in exchange for the U.S. receiving the technological know-how that gave us world supremacy. Our records show that during this time, genetic experimentation did take place, whereby aliens implanted their DNA into our human bloodline. The late Bible teacher and Department of Defense analyst Chuck Missler reported that as many as 3% of the U.S. population may have been involved in these experiments since the 1970s. That's over 9 million Americans who became genetically mixed and began to multiply and have children of their own. Jesus said in these last days wickedness will multiply. So let's apply this mathematic principle of multiplication to our now polluted genetic pool. If you add 2 plus 2 five times, you get 10. But if you multiply 2 times 2 and keep multiplying that answer five times, you get almost 4.3 billion people. This multiplication phenomenon was what happened during the days of Noah, and this was how everyone on the planet became contaminated genetically. Now, when God determined to destroy the world and its people because of its wickedness, God told Noah, hide yourself in the ark. Once God shut the door. The waters burst forth and Jasher recorded that 700,000 people gathered around the ark demanding to get in. Now let me say something here. God is a merciful God and gave the people 120 years to repent and return to him. So when Noah and his family were told to get in the ark... It must have been very hard to shut a deaf ear to the cries of terror from people banging on the door, begging to get in. These were family and old friends. Our tendency is to be nice and help everybody. But during times of divine judgment, things are different. God told Noah to store up provision for him and his family to withstand the flood not to share those provisions with others, for the time of repentance had passed. Now, to apply this to today, many are being led by God to separate from the mainstream culture, move to the country, and store up provisions for their families. Now, the admonition here is that when disaster hits and people leave the cities and droves and try to break into your home and take what you've stored up, remember what God did for Noah. He shut Noah in and shut out those who would try to take from you. Let's turn to what's going on now with the current scheme to pollute the bloodline. To inject foreign material into billions of people. That's why there is so much pressure to get this shot. It's the same playbook, simply a different methodology. It involves a genetically engineered substance being forced and mandated into a terrified population. I'm not denying there is serious illness out there or that people are dying. They are. But this is what happens when a nation is under divine judgment. We must discern the power behind this effort. Does that power offer free will? The freedom to use whatever drugs you want to fight COVID? Or are those in control known by pressure, bribery tactics, and shaming? This should be a big red flag as to who is orchestrating behind the scenes, because coercion is not part of God's nature. The reason for the pressure is that Satan knows his time is short, and he is not finished building his army to wage war against Messiah when he comes. His end game is to be able to communicate with and control his army and kill off as many of us who oppose him as he can. I want to show you this pandemic through a biblical lens and share some recent revelations. On November 27, 2021, I was preparing to celebrate Hanukkah. Now, just so you know, years ago, I chose to become Torah observant and follow the appointed times and seasons that God gave His children. Hanukkah is ignored by most Christians, but it is a meaningful time on God's calendar and an appointed time to meet with Him. In John 8, Jesus was in the temple celebrating Hanukkah, which is also called the Festival of Lights. And Jesus announced for everyone to hear, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, the word follow means to walk the same way with, in the same direction, doing the same things. So, what was Jesus doing? He was doing Judaism. He was observing Hanukkah. Now, how many Christians actually walk in the same way that Jesus walked? If we do not, the implications are that we could walk in darkness and be open to deception. Later in this same John 8 passage, he accused the religious leaders of having a different father, telling them, you are of your father, the devil. Same discourse, same time of year. This was Hanukkah, which lasts from the 25th of Kislev until the 3rd of Tevet, eight days. Now, keep in mind that he was talking to the Jewish leaders of the day, and the Lord saw clearly the source of their DNA, and it was not his father. On November 30th, which was the second day of Hanukkah, the 26th of Kislev, I was still studying the scriptures, seeking understanding into this festival, lighting the candles each evening and praying for God's light to give me understanding. A good portion of the readings were from Daniel 11, which prophesies the attack of Hellenism against the Jewish people. Now, to give you a little background, the visions that God gave to the Hebrew prophet Daniel are long considered by religious scholars to preview world history, from Daniel's day all the way to the very end of days especially focusing attention to the final kingdom that will be in power when Messiah comes to set up God's kingdom in the day of the Lord. That kingdom is what I believe is forming now known as the New World Order, but in essence is a revised Roman kingdom that Daniel described as terrible and dreadful because it is a genetically mixed DNA race of people, part human and part inhuman. Just like in the days of Noah. As to the time frame we're looking at, Daniel had the vision and wrote about it around 550 BCE. The vision describes a horrible leader from a Hellenistic Roman kingdom who would invade Jerusalem and pollute God's temple. This prophecy was fulfilled to the letter almost 400 years later when Antiochus Epiphanes who is translated God in the flesh, sent his general Apollonius to invade Israel and mandate the one-world philosophy known as Hellenism. His forces used money and power to bribe the religious leaders and force them to forsake Judaism and instead become one people with the rest of the world. If they practiced Judaism, it would be under a penalty of death. So here's how it happened. On the 15th of Kislev, in the year 168 BCE, about 400 years after Daniel's vision, the Hellenistic king Antiochus Epiphanes erected a statue on the altar of the temple in Jerusalem with his face carved into the idol, pretending to be the god Zeus. Ten days later, on the 25th of Kislev, the temple was invaded by the Greek forces who desecrated and polluted God's sanctuary. The only ones fighting them were the Maccabees, a small band of devout Jewish priests who fought and died to uphold the ways of God. Now, it was during this battle that the miracles of Hanukkah were seen. Now what I want to show you is how this very prophecy has repeated itself in our day, just as Daniel foretold 2,500 years ago. Christian scholars and Jewish rabbis have always taken seriously how Daniel's prophecies concerning Rome and Hellenism would play out in our day. We have all assumed that before Messiah comes to set up his kingdom that we would have a replay of this very invasion because Antiochus Epiphanes has always been viewed as a tavnit or picture of the one that we call the Antichrist. So we have been looking for the temple to be rebuilt and a physical army so that the Antichrist could invade Israel, pollute the temple, and declare himself king. In other words, we've all been looking for a physical, literal fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy in the latter days. Let me read verses 30 and 31, and then break out the Hebrew words and phrases to find the lessons that God has for us. Here are the two verses as found in Daniel 11. For ships of Ketim shall come against him, referring to Antiochus. And in his rage he shall turn against the Jews, and arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary, take away the daily sacrifice, and place the abomination that makes desolate. Now to properly study a Tavnit, we first look at the picture in the natural and let it speak to us. So in the natural, we have an army that Daniel sees is coming against God's people and against the temple in Jerusalem. First observation is the ships of Katim. Katim actually means Cyprus, but the name came to represent the Greeks and Romans that were located on the shores opposite Palestine. In Judaism, Kitim is a code word for Rome or the Greco-Roman Empire, which delivered Hellenism to the world. Now, the Hebrew word ships is from the word sava, which means to establish something or set it in order. So if you look at it metaphorically rather than literally, it means that something from the forces representing Hellenism is being shipped to enable the delivery of messages or instructions to the people. The Daniel passage says Antiochus was enraged and sought to destroy the Jews. Now, Satan's tactic has always been to invade Israel and destroy the Jews, especially Orthodox Jews who practice Judaism. Reuters recently reported that Israel's ultra-Orthodox community was the hardest hit by the pandemic. But sadly, their acceptance of the vaccine made other people say, wow, if the rabbis encourage vaccination, then I guess I should take the shot too. Daniel writes, arms shall stand on his part. Now, we tend to think of this as armed forces, but let's look at the Hebrew word for arms. The word is zeruah which literally means the arm as stretched out. Daniel wrote, they polluted or profaned the sanctuary. The Hebrew word profane is halal, which means to bore a hole in something to open up a wedge for the purpose of polluting the temple. And finally, what does the word temple represent, since we don't have a physical temple any longer in Jerusalem? Could God have given the temple as a picture in Daniel's dream so he would write the word temple? The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3, Do you not know that you are God's temple? and that God's Spirit dwells in you? The Bible teaches us that our bodies are the temples that God wants to dwell in. Suddenly, I saw this passage metaphorically through a different lens rather than literally. Think about it. Daniel was constrained to use the vocabulary of his day when describing his vision. He saw the temple. He saw invading forces. He knew who the enemy nation was, and it was tied to Rome and Hellenism. What if this passage was not meant to be interpreted as a literal army of literal people with literal weapons standing at the border of the temple in Jerusalem to invade it? What if, instead, the army that Daniel saw was invisible, molecular, microscopic, comprised of genetically modified strands of DNA that came from a different paternal source. What if rather than this army having guns, the armed forces referred to billions of nanotech molecular structures that were forced through holes bored by syringes and injected into the arms of everyone on the planet? I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Do you know what day Israel's temple was desecrated and polluted by Antiochus Epiphanes? It was the 25th of Kislev, the first day of Hanukkah, the day that celebrated the dedication of the temple. But on that day, the Roman Empire, under one-world Greek influence, invaded the temple and dedicated it to Zeus the Greek god that Hellenists believe rules all other gods and is known to us as Satan. Now let's fast forward now almost 2,500 years to the 25th of Kislev, 2020, the very day the FDA issued emergency use of the Pfizer vaccine. On Tevet 3, the final day of Hanukkah, the FDA approved Moderna. The beginning and end of this sacred week that marked the invasion and pollution of the Temple in Jerusalem in 168 BCE happened the same way at the same time period over 2,000 years later. This holy time, known as Hanukkah, was bookended by Pfizer and Moderna. And during the days leading up to the feast of the dedication of the temple and following it, here's what took place. The first shot was given in the UK, the first shot was given in the U.S., and the first shot was given in Israel. The global rollout began with the ships of Katim a Hellenistic cargo fleet whose mission was to deliver a communication system hidden microscopically inside a vial of so-called vaccine. This was part of the scheme to transfer kingship over the physical bodies, the temples, of millions of devout lovers of God in those nations from God to Satan. We gave them our arms, and the syringes opened a hole to being polluted by a genetically engineered substance that has the molecular mark of the beast written all over it. There is much more to reveal, but to give you the nuggets of what I encourage you to ponder before the next episode, I believe that Daniel's prophecy shows us that the world has been hit by a two pronged assault. First is a so-called vaccine which contains microscopic armies of nanorobots made of graphene oxide that serve as communication processors so that the global elite will be able to control and send messages to everyone who took the vaccine and subsequent boosters. I contend that this is the reason the media has been so intent to pressure us with false promises, bribes of money and free stuff, and the fear of losing our jobs for noncompliance. Now, for those familiar with the New Testament, what we have here is an enemy who entered the sheepfold another way with a messenger RNA the ships of Katim, which I believe contains the DNA marker of Satan himself. I want to encourage you to examine the links that I will provide in my notes to this episode that reveal more about what is in the vaccine. You'll find them on my podcast page at CandiceLong.com and the episode, The Days of Noah, Part 7. I will bring more insights in the next episodes, but in closing, if you have taken the vaccine, please know that the Lord provides a way of escape, which I will explain in greater depth next time. But in a nutshell, your freedom lies in teshuva, repentance. By verbally renouncing allegiance to any power, or spiritual authority associated with the vaccine that you were not aware of. Ask God to bind you to himself and keep you under the shadow of his wings and the shelter of the Almighty. I want to thank you for listening. I hope you join me again next time for Lessons in the Latter Days. God bless.